You are listening to Innovate at Open, stories from the cutting edge of technology innovation rooted in open source software and collaborative processes. I'm your host, Gordon Half. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Innovate at Open. And on this episode, I'm here with Hugh Brock, who runs Red Hat's research program. Welcome, you. Thanks, Gordon. Great to be here. I thought I would get started off by talking about research programs in general at companies. There's a long history. Research labs, research organizations, and corporations have often taken different forms. Sometimes there's a lot of fundamental research. Sometimes it's really just pre-product development in a sense. Can you take us through what some of the thinking was in Red Hat forming a research program and how you think about research, development, collaboration, intellectual property? That should take us a few minutes. For sure. Yeah, I think the, the way we're doing this at Red Hat is really exciting and also quite different from the way industry research has traditionally been done and the way companies, even the way companies have traditionally worked with universities. What we do at Red Hat Research is try to connect our engineers with researchers in universities via graduate student PhD projects. And the reason we work that way, and the reason, well, there's two things really. The, the reason we're able to work that way is because we're an open source company. And the universities are happy to talk to us because they know that we're not interested in their intellectual property. The reason it is an advantage for us to work that way is that it gives our engineers a chance to broaden their horizons and it helps the universities focus what they're doing on something that is achievable in this now very fast-moving world of IT and, and computer science research. So we think that we think we have a winning model there. If you look at the way companies have traditionally done research, there's kind of two models. One model is you pay a researcher at a university to develop a project for you. I went to visit Oh, I forget the guy's name, the research director at Mitsubishi Electric over here in Cambridge um, when I was first getting into this job. And the fir- one of the first things we learned in our conversation was that we have completely different jobs, actually. It's um, Dick's whole enterprise is going to MIT and figuring out what he needs to pay them to do, which is a good model. It's good for MIT. It's good for Dick. He gets, he gets what he needs. But all of that research then goes into a patent vault, and Mitsubishi gets to use it, uh, but it doesn't ever it doesn't get opened up until the patents expire. Our model is is completely different. What we're trying to do is not pay researchers to do stuff that we want. It is to help them do what they want and get it into the open faster and more effectively than they could do it without our help. So far it's turned out to be a winning model and we hope that it will grow as we're able to contact more people and connect more people with our engineers. 
One of the things that seems interesting in terms of academia and industry and open source working together is there are, of course, different objectives. And there's also often different time scales in the way things happen. And in a way, I find academia interesting here because on the one hand, academia can often work in things that to someone sitting in a company can look often very pie in the sky, very speculative. Maybe it will see something related to this in 15 years. On the other hand, there's just this incredible pace of change that you alluded to in IT and in tech where some project like Kubernetes goes from something internal at Google to something everybody is using in the course of really just a few years. And at least from teaching classes and so forth, things just don't get revised that quickly at universities. And, and obviously there's also a tension of, you don't want universities chasing the toolkit of the day too quickly either. Yeah, this is absolutely right. I think it's a real tension for universities. When we launched our relationship with Boston University, which would have been going on three years ago, it'll be three years this December that we launched the Red Hat BU Collaboratory. The case that my opposite number over at BU made to our VP of product, Paul Cormier, was not only that Red Hat should do this because Red Hat will get interesting research out of it, but also that Red Hat should do this because we can help the universities do a better job of getting interesting research into the public. This is my, my partner at BU, uh, Dr. Aran Krieger, is a professor of um, computer engineering there. His, the case that he made to Paul was that industry is going so fast that academia needs to be pushed to keep up with them. Or academia will, in fact, become irrelevant, at least in the, in the computer science and computer engineering space. There's already a danger of that happening right now. To some extent, there's a danger of it across the sciences with uh, some of the AI developments that we're seeing. But the point is that we really are in a unique position at Red Hat to push research in a direction that's going to keep up with what we need in industry and make a better and closer partnership that works, that isn't parasitic or whatever, but actually serves the interests of both industry and universities. Yeah, we'll get into some of the, that interesting AI work in a couple minutes, but before we dive down quite that deeply, Let's talk about some of the threads that really came together in this whole program. So obviously, there's the universities, including universities in the Boston area, though certainly not limited to that. The original Massachusetts Open Cloud work, which you just mentioned. And then a lot of the interesting medical research that's happening in the Boston area. Uh, probably many of my listeners know this, but Boston is... Uh, known for having sort of among the world-class hospitals. And, the, and a lot of them are big research hospitals that are doing a lot of work. 
Can you talk about how all of this sort of came together? Yeah, it's actually a really interesting story. So I mentioned the Red Hat Boston University Collaboratory. Red Hat Collaboratory at Boston University, I guess, is the, is the official name. This became the foundation of our research program at Red Hat. But the, the way it came into being is a very interesting story. Dr. Krieger over at BU got a, wrote and received an NSF grant with his partner Peter Desnoyers about six years ago now, I want to say, five, six years. And the grant was to study the feasibility of developing what's called an open cloud exchange, which to put it very concisely is a bazaar to the public cloud's cathedral. So if Amazon is operating a single owner monolithic set of services that they control from top to bottom, the open cloud that Iran wanted to study is a marketplace where anybody can play. So this is an interesting concept and there's a number of things that you need in order to make it real. The first thing you need is a data center. It turns out that the five major research universities in the Boston area Harvard, MIT, BU, Northeastern, and the UMass system collaborated a few years ago on a data center called the Mass Green High Performance Computing Center, MGHPCC, which is a very large data center in Western Mass next to a hydroelectric dam. Power is cheap. And they built this with the help of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts so that they could move all of their research IT infrastructure out there. With that done, it now is possible all of a sudden to start thinking about, okay, how can we build an open cloud that allows all five of these universities and the state and industry, small business, advanced manufacturing to all participate in what amounts to a marketplace for computing services that looks like a cloud but is ultimately much more efficient because there is no single owner. So it's more price efficient. This was the thing that Iran wanted to study. So he got, some, he got a grant, he got some computers, got a network infrastructure, set the thing up, and set it up running OpenStack. Well, we, Red Hat, our major OpenStack, our major OpenStack vendor. So Iran kept pinging us and saying, hey, do you guys want to help with this? This is really interesting. And he was trying to do some stuff with some of the OpenStack services that we, at the time, didn't think made sense. So for a while, we sort of put him off, like, now we're not really interested. Um, but eventually he got through, and the thing that he was able to offer to Paul that no one else really had before was an opening for doing research in a practical way, and research that would draw our engineering team into partnership. So that was a, that was a huge deal. And that was the basis of this Red Hat BU Collaboratory, which is a million dollar a year partnership where we fund, really we fund basic research at BU, but we do it in a way that's connected to what we want to do as an engineering company. So fast forward a couple of years, we've established the collaboratory and we're working with Iran at BU. Iran teaches what's called a cloud computing course. You teach a course called, it's a project-based course in cloud computing. And this was the first year he had done it, and he brings in lots of industry partners as mentors to lead projects. So we had a bunch of projects over there. Well, one of the projects that we found in the cloud computing course uh, was a little app that somebody at Boston Children's Hospital had written 
to put a UI around medical image processing codes. Codes that process MRI, for example, or any, or x-rays or CT scans or whatever, and do stuff with them. Not really AI exactly, but advanced image processing. So this project, as it turns out, was staffed by the wife of one of our researchers at BU. And even even funnier, the sponsoring researcher at BU turns out to be Iran's wife. He didn't know this at the time, which is hysterical. Like we didn't we didn't realize that this that they were both working on opposite ends of the same project for a long time. They never talk apparently. But anyway, so we got into this project and we realized that we could take this thing and port it to OpenShift fairly easily, and that that actually would be not only a great demo project for us, but a really nice contribution that we could make back to this thing. Uh, it has developed into a thing called the CRIS project. So that's how that got started, and we're continuing to contribute to it, partly as a, because it's a great demo project for what you can do with OpenShift on our tooling, and also because we've been able to demonstrate some of the more advanced research results that we've found at BU. Things like multi-party computing, we have integrated that into, into Chris at the, at the beginning part of this year, and there's more things going to be coming there this, um, this year as well. So it's been a, that's been a really interesting story, and it was a lot of fun. The multi-party computing and homomorphic encryption and differential privacy actually probably should be the topic of another podcast because they're really interesting, essentially ways that you can share data in a machine learning AI context among institutions and to have third-party computing without uh, compromising privacy. So that's actually a really interesting topic that stay tuned, go and cover that in a later episode in more detail. In addition to the MPC and Chris, what are some other interesting projects that are going on with research right now? At BU in particular, we have uh, sort of two parallel tracks. The, the, one of them is the privacy-preserving AI that you just mentioned, Those, the, all the range of technologies around how to do machine learning in a privacy-preserving way. The other kind of major research thrust that we have is all around how industry is going and and the world is going to deal with the end of Denard scaling. So Denard scaling is the idea that you can continue to increase the number of transistors per square millimeter on a chip by, by doing various tricks to make that possible. It is a subject of a lot of debate, exactly how long we will be able to continue to do Denard scaling but nobody is arguing that we'll be able to do it forever. And it seems clear that we're approaching a point of diminishing returns. So what that means is that we are going to start looking again at specialty devices, processors that are built for a particular purpose. The GPU is the most obvious example, but there are many of them, uh, many different types. And the OS, which is our primary product here at Red Hat, uh, is going to have to start understanding how to deal with these things. So you can imagine a typical computer system in the cloud in three or four years is going to have not just a whole bunch of general purpose CPUs, but also GPUs, 
FPGAs, which are programmable processors. Basically, you can program the architecture on the fly. And other devices we haven't even really thought of yet. All of these things are going to live together in the same machine. We have a number of really interesting research projects going on right now that are all around the different aspects of that problem. Everything from can we build a Linux unikernel that really works to what do we need to do to create an open source tool chain for FPGAs, any of a wide range of other projects along these lines. Partitioning hypervisors is another kind of key piece. We've been very fortunate that BU turns out to have a really strong operating systems department, and we didn't know that when we made the partnership, so that worked out quite well for us. And we think that uh, we think we're going to do some groundbreaking stuff there. The Unikernel project, in particular, a Unikernel is uh, the idea of a Unikernel is you take your app and you build it with the kernel it's going to run on, so that you you basically built a bootable app. It has there's all kinds of interesting reasons why you might want to do that. But it turns out that our kernel folks are really interested in this, and the PhD who's working on it right now, they're basically telling him if you can get this last stage of thing that you're working on right now to work, then we want to start looking at how we can actually use this in practice. So this is this has gone really quickly from pie in the sky idea. Iran and Ali Raza, who is the PhD, come in and say, hey, we want to we want to look at unikernels and whether we can make a make a unikernel out of Linux and we think it's going to be really hard and we doubt it'll work to in the space of not even 18 months Ali talking to our kernel engineers about the details of how we could make this real it's gone very quickly and I think everybody's astonished that it's happened that quickly but it's a it's an example of lots of different threads coming together at the same time, and we've been really fortunate to be in the middle of it, but that's what we try to do at Red Hat Research. If we weren't pulling these threads together, then they would never intersect. Probably the topics for at least a couple more podcasts there. That's probably all the detail we can get into today. In closing out, where can people go to learn more about this, if any of this sounds interesting. The best place to look for anything that we're doing is our website, which is research.redhat.com. We try to maintain there a list of all of the active projects and what the status is at all of the universities that we work with. And we also post their details of the events that we sponsor, so colloquiums, workshops, things like that, as well as the quarterly research review magazine that we produce to go into detail on these projects that we do. DevConf is DevConf is an a, annual conference that was launched in our Brno office in Czech Repu- in the Czech Republic. It's been running there now for I think 12 years. We did the first one here in the U.S. last summer at the Boston University Student Center, the GSU George Sherman Union, and we'll be doing it again August 15th through 17th this summer and. It should be uh, really good, I think. All of our interns will be presenting something there, particularly all of the PhD projects that I just mentioned, and we think it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, thank you, Yu. Anything you'd like to close with? I just want to thank you for um, reaching out and making this happen, Gordon, 
And um, thanks for listening, everybody. And if you are interested, again, in participating or just in knowing what's going on, check out research.redhat.com. Thank you, you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Innovate at Open. For future episodes, subscribe to Innovate at Open on your favorite podcast app. You could also go bitmason, B-I-T-M-A-S-O-N, dot blogspot.com for show notes, blogs, and a full archive of episodes and more. Thank you for listening. This is Gordon Half, Technology Evangelist at Red Hat. Thank you.